live from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Sanders Weekly with your host, Jackson Feltz. Good evening and welcome to Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. One full hour of Sounders talk coming at you here tonight. Jackson Feltz alongside Seattle University head soccer coach Pete Fewing. Pete, thanks for joining me in here tonight. Yeah, my pleasure, Jackson. Good to be with you. Good to have you, Pete. A lot to go on about tonight. Uh, we will talk about the Montreal loss that happened on Saturday. You heard it right here on KJR. Matt Johnson on the call so we're talking about that and, and really kind of what comes next for the Seattle Sounders is this team is 0-3 right now. And, and Pete, I, I think before we say anything else, just a, a very quick message from, from myself, the show, to everybody out there, all Sounder fans listening, don't panic. Don't panic. So I hear that. I've heard a lot of coaches scream, don't panic. And when I hear coaches scream, don't panic, it's typically the ball's at the back, <laughs> the guy's under some pressure, and they yell, don't panic. And... I always take that as somehow a double negative. I'm not a, I'm not a uh, uh, English major, but I think that refers to panic. But Uh-oh. I understand your point. <laughs> Don't tell the so, listeners to panic, Pete. I, I'm trying right. to tell them not to panic. No, and I, I agree with you, but I think uh, uh, there's a little bit of concern uh, on everybody's part, players, coaches, all that, uh, and fans, I'm sure, as well. But when I hear don't panic, I always think that really means panic. So we were playing once with... Uh, uh, we were playing against L.A. a long time ago. Brent Goulet had been with the U.S. national team. He didn't score in a game against El Salvador. He scored for us against L.A. at L.A. And he said, and somebody yelled, you should have done that yesterday. And Brent said, you're not wrong. And I looked at my teammate and I said, that's a double negative. I think that means you're right. So when I hear don't panic, I get what you're saying. I can buy into what you're saying, but I also know that part of me says that means panic. So I mean it is it is a concerning time in the sense of this team is 0-3 right now. Sure. And you know, we look back to look back to two years ago when this team won the championship. Yeah. They started 0-3, but they, they did score a goal. Uh and and they scored they scored more than one goal as I remember and they don't have a goal yet so far. Yeah. And with all the injuries and, and everything else, there there are a number of reasons to be concerned. Well so we'll get into that and, and what the Sounders uh are facing and, and are looking at in a couple of weeks against Sporting Kansas City. We'll do that here coming up. Uh additionally on the show you will as always hear from Sounders general manager and president Garth Loggerway. That's gonna be at right around 7:25 this evening. Uh, so hear directly from him. He talks about a lot of situations, including uh, the, of course, topic that keeps coming up of, uh, from people of this team needs a number nine. So that comes up uh, in addition to what happened with Shea Atakoya. Some news coming out today on him. So we'll get into that. And then at the end of the show, you'll hear from Jordan McCrary, a Sounders fullback. He just got his first career MLS appearance earlier this uh, week or last week, I should say, against Montreal. So a cool interview, interview with Jordan where we kind of go over his story because uh, it's a pretty cool story Pete uh, on how he went from uh, Toronto FC 2 last year to a trialist with Seattle in in the in the training part of earlier this year and then now he's playing very meaningful minutes for the first team it's exciting to see guys make their progression through the USL the the two the second teams and then finally get their opportunities and then the question is and it doesn't work for everybody but what do they do with that opportunity and right. he's making he's making his way in and getting meaningful minutes but we've seen that with uh players like a Joven Jones maybe he didn't come through S2 but all of a sudden he gets a chance knew who was an S2 guy gets a chance and starts to get meaningful minutes so it's fun to see who's the next guy that's going to come in and be like a Christian Roldan now when he started with yeah. the Sounders we didn't have an S2 but he was a guy who got a minute or two and then with Ziggy he was a little bit in and out Brian had a different vision for him. Brian sort of said, we're going to 
we're going to give you an opportunity week in and week out. And now all of MLS, when it comes draft day, everybody says, who's the next Christian Roldan? So it is fun to see these guys make their way uh, from on the periphery on an S2 or a Timbers 2 or a Toronto 2, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and then get their chance. It's You know what it is, too? It's finding the right fit, the right you being in the right spot. We have a kid, Kyle Bjornathan, played for us, All-American, drafted by the Sounders, ended up with Timbers 2. He felt he wanted to find more playing time. He's now with Toronto 2 as a left back. He feels that's a good fit. So it's finding the right spot at the right time with a team that has the right need. Yeah, and, and certainly there is right now. So we'll get into uh, we'll get into that interview. You hear from Jordan McCreary coming up at the end of the show about seven forty five on that, uh, and then we'll talk about what the future may hold. So a lot coming up here on Sounders Weekly, Sounders Weekly tonight. Again, you're listening to the new home for the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio nine fifty KJR every Tuesday from seven to eight p.m. Jackson Feltz here. Uh, we'll bring you all the latest and greatest with the Seattle Sounders. But like I mentioned, we do start Pete uh, by looking back at that loss to Montreal, uh, and before we get into kind of the big storyline of this which was which was Calvin Leardham's red card in the 40th minute just in terms of being 0-3 that this team is right now you know Brian Schmetzer personally you know him well how is he processing being 0-3 right now I think that he, I mean he when they were 0-3 a couple of years ago he was not the head coach yet yeah knowing Brian he and I've been texting back and forth a little bit and uh the good news he's the right guy to be in in this situation because I think about times where they have these huge wins and I'm all fired up for him. Uh, Sometimes I'll see him after a game and and I'm as excited as the fans are and he is as calm and even keeled with a massive win, with a huge win in the playoffs, whatever it is. Uh, He is is just even keeled. So when you have the big highs, uh, staying even keeled is very important. When you have the lows, which is teams experiencing right now being even keeled and looking forward is very important so i know that brian is having a lot of conversations with players one-on-one uh and i and when i say i know that i i don't i just know who how he operates he's going to his leadership group and he's getting their feedback for sure because that's what a good manager does he trusts his players so he wants to hear what they think and then they're coming up with a plan so yeah do they want to be zero and three no before the season they started about they talked about getting a MLS Cup in Seattle. Well, mm-hmm. they put themselves in a tough spot because the MLS Cup, whoever hosts that, is the one that has the, the supporter shield at the end or the, the highest seed at the end in the final. So right now, they're in a bit of a hole. They've had a lot of injuries that have made it difficult. You know, you can't look at it and say, hey, we got five potential starters, you know, uh, on the bench or in the first game with LA, they put a different team out because CONCACAF was paramount in their mind. So... Uh, I can see why they started the group that they did, uh, but yeah, they're they're in a tough spot. But I I know that uh, Brian is this, although it's his you know it's early in his head coaching MLS career. He's been around for a long time. Yeah. This is not going to freak him out, and and the players are going to look to him to see if he blinks. He's not going to blink. Uh, he's going to look at the next practice, but he is going to say uh, some stern words about hey, being disciplined and let's. You know, they've had in three games, you, you brought it up to me, I'd forgotten about Alfaro getting his second yellow late in the L.A. game. Mm-hmm. So they've had three times a player ejected in three MLS regular season games. That's not acceptable. It's easy to to point that out that that's not how they want to play. So yeah, he's got some work cut out for him. So speaking of the red cards, that transition, transitions us really well into talking about this situation and what how it happened with Kelvin Leardham. We were up in, in the press box watching it happen, and, and we didn't have 
uh, a TV right in front of us to, to look at the, the replay. And when it first happened, we, we saw them go to VAR and, and the red card came out. We were just, it was, what the heck is going on? Because yeah. the, the initial contact was, was not even, I mean, barely worthy of a yellow. As we then see on the replay a few minutes later, uh, it was a slap to the face by Calvin, which is automatic red. I mean, that's that's no argument. When you hit a guy in the face, you're going to get a red card. Yeah, and everyone knows that. And, and yeah. with the video review, you're not going to be able to hide uh, those kind of actions and, and a little slap on the face. You know, we work with two really good defenders, Wade Weber and Danny Jackson and, and they're center backs, right? By, by their nature. And if you're going to get, if you're going to, if you're going to send a message, it's not a slap in the face. And, no. and, and, uh, their dam's a very good pro and he's experienced. He's been a professional a long time for him to do that. He's kicking himself. Oh, he, you know, and, and he apologized yeah. right away. He came when the team came back to the locker room, he raised his hand as he should He's the kind of leader that can say, look, I made a huge mistake. I will not do it again. None of us can make these kind of mistakes. But you're right. If they go to video review and they show, I mean, it's a slap in the face that is so benign. But the bottom line is, with concussion protocols today, any any touch to the head, yeah. the undercut, I could see a yellow, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I could. I could see a yellow for that. But because good players know angles and nowhere to be right. <laughs> but but uh but once you know we were all like you said we were all saying that, that should not be a red card but the slap in the face you just yeah sorry the referee's gonna he has the referee has to be accountable too of course to the, to the pro yeah. organization that they're a part of and if you say well hey it was you gave you didn't give the red card because it was a light tap bottom line is did you do it are yeah. you offside or not offside did you hit him in the face or not him in the face he did him in the face it's a red card so you talked about brian schmetzer and and what he's going to go to his players and talk about let's hear he was very passionate in, in his post-game press conference when sure. he talked about this so let's hear from brian schmetzer after the match on kelvin leardham very disappointed kelvin understands what he did apologized but that's you know Again, it, it, it comes down to me because I have to make sure that I tell them exactly what the expectations are of this club. And we don't, we don't need to do those things because it's not the way we want to do things. It puts the team at jeopardy. It's not the style of soccer we want to do. It's not the way the sportsmanship that we want to have within this club. And look, I get it. Guys get heated. It's the heat of the moment, but that's actually when you have to be most composed, and that 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 sort of stuff is going to stop. That sort of stuff is going to stop some some. I mean, intense words, Pete, from Brian there. When you hear him clicking his pen, or when you hear him pounding on the table a little bit, he's very serious. Coaches have their way of communicating. I'm sure the players will hear his words. Um, that kind of stuff is going to stop. He very much means that. He's going to protect his players publicly. He's not going to walk out and say, Kelvin, you know, is a da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. He's going to protect him. He did that. But behind closed doors, there's a stern conversation and an expectation. And he and like a good leader, he takes it on himself. He says, that's my fault for not being clear. But honestly, we all know. <laughs> we, yeah. well, it is clear. Come on. Everybody's got to know, right? That everybody knows what, uh, is acceptable and not acceptable. So he does a good job of taking a bullet for his players, but uh, when he's clicking his pen or when he's pounding on the table uh, and when his voice changes that way, I would not want to be on the wrong side of 
that conversation. Well, and sometimes being <laughs> a re- sometimes being a reporter in that room in the post game press conference when he when he's looking at you intently and pounding his fist. Yeah. I remember having a qu- couple. I asked a couple questions and he would do that. And I even even I was a little bit sure. Like, like okay, it, you're you're intense. I'm going to step aside now and let somebody else take the next question. Yeah, and here's <laughs> here's the good news on that too. You're right. And here's the good news is that for the players. Uh, uh, players want to play for their coach, yeah. right? And coaches want their players to play for each other and their staff. And so in that situation, and again, Kelvin Leardam is a good pro, and and so he's hearing his coach taking it, taking one for him. So subconsciously he knows that guy has my back, right. and uh, I also now I owe that guy. So it's, it's good. I mean, Brian did it the right way, um, and he will make that message very, very clear. And it might be. Jackson, it might be that during practice, when the guys are warming up, he pulls him aside. I don't know what his technique is for this necessarily, but he might just have a conversation. And there might be, probably won't be a poke in the chest because you can't do that. That's a violation of a space. You can only poke a guy in the chest if you're really happy with him or they're playing great. Uh, But a hand on the shoulder, that's not us. That's not who we are. And, you know, you also heard that. Brian has an expectation for what this club stands for. He's been with this club yeah. for most of his, he is Seattle for soccer. all of his adult life. Right. Yeah. And so from the time he was 18 forward, he's been in and around this club. So uh, he knows the expectation. He has a view of what this team should stand for. He also knows that's the expectation of uh, Adrian Hanauer as well. Of course. Uh, so actually, then kind of moving on in that match, that happens in the 40th minute. They have to play a man down for the last 50 minutes of this match. At the start of the second half, they shift to a 4-4-1. So you have four in the back, four mid, and then you have one at the top. And, and looking at the way that this team functioned from 11 players to 10 players, Pete, it almost felt at times like they were more dangerous with 10. And, and it, it felt like Montreal wasn't even pushing when, when they were a man up. Well, if you go back to the game at Montreal last year, early in the season, they were a counterattack team. Piatti mm-hmm. was was great at if they could win something in the midfield and counterattack, then um, that's where their chances came from. So I think uh, you're correct. I think the game it didn't look like they had an advantage, and the and I, the response of the players on the field, the energy that they brought, and the conviction they had to continue to play and get something out of the game. They still wanted to win the game. There was no. I, I never got a sense. Uh, never heard a, a mention of hey, we're down a man. Let's just try to get one point. They're at home. They expect to go get a win, even with a, a disadvantage of a, a one less player. So um, I thought they did do a good job. And I think what I, I think that the fact that they put, brought in um, McCrary and put him on the right and pushed rolled on back forward mm-hmm. was a sign of hey, they want to tr- still try to attack. I think that was proof that they weren't going to just sit back and rest on that. So uh, I applaud for what they did. For me. The goal that was scored, there was the back heel that saved the ball from going across the line. There was the awareness of Piatti to follow the back heel. And then his ability, his and this is this is what separates great players. As Torres comes in, Torres is a big, wide body, goes to the carpet. Piatti just lifts it over. Vargas does a good job of putting it home. Those are easy as easy to miss as they are. We've seen it this this year. Those are as easy to miss as they are to make. But it's one quality play. Uh Another quality play and a little clip over the top and uh, over the top of Torres' outstretched legs and then a good finish. So kudos to Montreal to come in and steal that. But Seattle on the field, the players' response I thought was very good. So Vargas does score that goal 60th minute and Montreal yeah. goes on to win one nothing. Uh, there's some questions about the, the Sounders' attack and, and kind of what we saw from them. Uh, some other 
couple questions that still are lingering on, on this game. So we'll talk about that next. You'll also hear from Garth Lagaway, Sounders president and general manager. And another thing to get to later in the show, interview with Jordan McCrary, new Sounders fullback. Get to know him a little bit and his really cool story coming here to Seattle. All of that coming up next on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. Welcome back to your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950, KJR. This is Sounders Weekly. Every Tuesday night from 7 to 8 p.m. here on the station, we bring you an hour of soccer talk. Jackson Feltz alongside Seattle University head coach Pete Fewing, the, the man who did scarves up at CenturyLink Field uh, on Saturday for the Montreal match. Pete, how was that? Odd. I, <laughs> Odd. I'm not, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, I found it to be, uh, it's great to be on the field. Let me tell you that. You know, we spend our time in the press box, and sometimes the windows are open when we're broadcasting on the air, but then when we're watching the game, we're behind the glass. Right. So to be so to be down there on the corner, players coming out, uh, was really fun. The energy on that field just prior to kickoff is pretty spectacular. Uh, it's electric. Just, it really is. It really is. And, and you see these guys coming out and... Um, you, certainly, it's not my place to say to to connect with any of the guys as they're walking out, but it's fun to see them in that environment, and really, it changes your perspective a little bit because as they're walking out, you're like, "Wow, these these guys are pretty special." It's it was fun, so I enjoyed that. Screaming scarves up Seattle is uh, it's a little out of my wheelhouse, I think. Um, but <laughs> well, you sounded good, so that, that's what matters, right? The script was simple, so <laughs> so it wasn't. Uh, too hard to uh, to re- memorize that entire <laughs> script, Scarves Up Seattle, but uh, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. The energy was fun, and uh, if they want me to do it again, I would. Um, yeah, I, but again, <laughs> being on the field, that's the cool thing. I was down there yeah. once for a game, and they were doing the, is it boom, boom, clap, clap? Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. So they were doing that, and Ziggy was walking out, and, and we kind of went past each other and or he went he went by me and I was like unbelievable and he you know he's been doing it at that point you know whatever six seven years and he said the same thing he says it's like this every game and so it's I could for the players how are you not incredibly fired up to yeah. walk out to that I yeah. mean it's it's 40,000 every single game and it's, it's just amazing fantastic yeah uh, Pete a couple of topics that we didn't hear I guess we only have time for really kind of one quick thing before we hear from uh, Garth Lagerway Sounders general manager and president of soccer joined me earlier today you'll hear that interview coming up in just a matter of moments uh, but one thing I wanted to hit quickly before we before we get to that and, and kind of talking and just wrapping up Montreal and, and the one nothing loss that happened on Saturday was was the attack and, and the kind of trend we saw in the second half where they look as we said they looked better they looked pretty good with down a man in, in terms of the attack and just creating chances. But all of these chances either fizzled out where it looked like something could have been put together, you know, and, and it just didn't kind of come together, whether it was a, a final pass or, or, or a shot not happening. And then the shots that did happen, you know, they end up just either going right into Bush or going just wide. Evan Bush, the, the goalkeeper for the Montreal Impact, and it was, you know, Svensson, Bruin, Roldan at the very end. It, it just seemed like there was a trend of, of nothing going in, and part of that's luck and part of that's just a Eventually, you're going to have to get one on target where you where you want to put it. Yeah, the the looks that Seattle had in the second half, a lot of them went right to Evan Bush. He was in the right spot at the right time, so you have to give him a little bit of credit on that. But the quality of the you know, boy, Will Bruin, I'm sure wants that half volley back again yeah. because he had a little more time uh, than he thought maybe, and so he rushed it and just got a, a toe to it. Gustav Svensson's header on the free kick 
was kind of a glancing header. It wasn't a, I've got to look at the goal. I've got a good look at the goal, and it's coming from uh, a, an angle deep where I'm getting to pick my spot. It's a glancing header, so he's his biggest focus is getting the thing on target. There were a couple shots that went just wide. I think for, for Will Bruin, hearing him talk, his best use, highest purpose for the Seattle Sounders is getting on the end of crosses inside the box, and it's from crosses that I think are more from the end line or cutbacks, and I don't think that service has been the same as it was last year. Jovan Jones knew who. Jovan Jones had a ton of assists last year, yeah. double digits on his assists. The service from the right side, Leardam got himself forward a little bit more. That's not been the case, and so they've had a hard time identifying uh, how they're going to get their opportunities in it. So wing play or combination play. When you remember Ikram was, everyone was pretty excited about Ikram because he had that nice little one-two with Clint Dempsey, right? There hasn't been much combination play with, with Bruin at the edge of the box as well. So service into the box from the flanks, combination play at the edge of the box has been non-existent. And then when the shots have come, they haven't really had great looks as they would like to have. So there's been, there has to be some refinement. Precky is a fantastic goal scorer during his playing days. Oh, yeah. So giving him a little opportunity to, to work on pattern play. You see pattern play often with the Sounders from the midfield, from the defense to the midfield. I'm sure they're going to do more of, of that for the forwards. Well, we've heard from Garth Lagaway here in, in recent weeks about the teams need to add a new number nine to replace Jordan Morris at a forward. Um, that's the position number for those who aren't aware. Number nine, we refer to that as the forward at the top who's going to be playing at the top of the formation. Uh, so Lagaway's talked about the need to bring in somebody like that and how they're working on it. That's one of the many topics we hit today when Garth Lagaway, Sounders president and GM, uh, caught up with me earlier today. Happy to be here again, Jackson. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you, Garth, uh, with these weekly interviews. Before we get on and talk about the first team, Garth, uh, I wanted to first talk about uh, the Generation Adidas Cup. Uh, it's the Seattle Sounders winning this premier division. Uh, I wanted to just first get your reaction to the group of players bringing home another championship. Uh, it's, it was a lot of fun to watch them, man. I mean, they battled diversity in that final and, and being uh, having a penalty called against them early in the game uh, and then having a man sent off, uh, one of our very good players, Ray Serrano, uh, you know, I think that they they battled through that and they overcame it, and I was really proud of them to to win the championship. So let's get to the first team now, Garth. It's a two week break for this team after the loss here to Montreal. You being a former player, how much does that stink in a sense to not be able to play for two weeks after another tough loss? I mean, I think sometimes you want to get back at it right away, but we got some stuff to start out. You know, we, we we're zero three, and um, we have some stuff that. Uh, you know, we got to do to try to keep 11 guys on the field. And, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to do that. You know, I think we're still getting some guys back from injury and getting guys up to speed fitness-wise. So in this particular case, I don't know if it's a bad thing. So you talk about keeping 11 players on the field. Talking about Calvin uh, Lerdam's red card, do you as a GM say anything to him? Have you said anything to him? Or, or do you leave that up to Brian to make the necessary changes in terms of just discipline and behavior? When we talk about managing the locker room, that's that's always the head coach. You know, that, that's every head coach that I've worked with, and, and I'm handling stuff that's off the field. And, uh, you know, Kelvin's a good guy. Uh, I have no doubt about his character and where he's going to be for us long term. He's a very good player. Um, you know, we just need to have better reactions in terms of, you know, not just personal to Kelvin, but across the whole team. Uh, you know, if we had one one bad reaction, then, uh, you know, that's that's – that's difficult, but we've had three in three games and, you know, at least two reactions in three games and three red cards in three games. And, you know, that just makes it really hard for the team to succeed. So we got to, we got to knock it off 
Right, and then you also mentioned the injury bug that's current going on. It seems like there's a lot of sprains right now. I feel like every injury that we listed off on, on the broadcast on Saturday had a sprain involved. I talked to you about how I want to kind of connect these interviews to the fans and make sure fans are having their questions answered. And one thing that came up on Twitter from Sandra Sounder and Kim Agostino was wondering if there's any sort of training methods or different strategies involved with preventing these strains. Yeah, look, you, you, you go through ways of this stuff sometimes, but fundamentally, we went through a transition period when Dave Penny left for the Orlando Magic, and Dave was our performance coach for nine years, and um, he, his deputy, Chad Kalarsic, uh did a good job for us at the end of last year, and then he left in January for the Colorado Rapids, so we were missing uh, the great majority of our performance department, and that's the group of guys that prepares preseason and uh, gets these guys ready for the season. Uh, and due to some, you know, we were able to replace them with, with uh, Damian Roden from Stoke, and we're still very excited about Damian and what he can add to us long term. But in the short term, uh, we had some complications with Damian's visa, and he hasn't been able to be with us uh, for uh, good chunks of the preseason and early season. Uh, he's with us now. Everything's sorted. Um, but I think that lack of continuity uh, contributed to some of this, some some of the difficulties we've had with training and fitness. And um, you know, I think we have to acknowledge that and address it. And going forward, now we should have a much better platform in terms of the team's success with fitness and injuries. You know, we played 11 months in a row uh, for two years consecutively. And when you're talking about older older players in particular, uh, you can want them to bounce back in six weeks, uh, but they don't. You know, that's really what we've seen. And so we have a number of guys that pick up knocks late in the season and they play with them because you're in the playoffs and you play with them all the way through the final. Um, and then you got to shut them down until they're better. And, you know, you know, with a couple of these guys too, we've done what's the right long-term thing. And we've, we've kept them shut down until such time as we believed that they were sustainably ready to return. We didn't rush anybody back. Um, we've tried to get guys in a position where they can succeed over seven, eight, nine months uh, in terms of playing the rest of the season. You know, we've been fortunate. We've not had a lot of league games in the last run. Um, uh, you know, and, and so I think that we're going to be in a better place gradually as we get guys back. But um, certainly that's been a factor. Uh, but there are lots of other factors that are in our control in, in, in terms of how we play and how we conduct ourselves. And uh, if we improve on those things that we can control, um, then I think we got a, a real good chance of succeeding the rest of the way. Right, Sporting KC coming up next Sunday for Seattle. We'll have that broadcast right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Sounders President and General Manager Garth Lagerway joining me here on Sounders Weekly. Uh, Garth, last week we spoke about it, and you've been very clear about the availabilities and the higher chance that a major signing of a number 9 will come during the summer transfer window. But a lot of people are still wondering if it's possible that you bring in more of a stopgap player with TAM funds as opposed to a designated player to help the attack immediately. And I know the window ends in just about a month, but I think many people still want to know if a fix could come before summer. Sure. I mean, we're always looking and we're trying to add a player and, and we're and potentially uh, even adding two players. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but in, in doing that, we have to get we have to get a guy who's the right fit. And you know, the same answer to the injury question where uh, if we if we identify the right player and they're able to come right away, that's great. And we'll, we'll happily take them whether that's a DP, a TAM, or, or anything else. Uh, and uh, if it takes until the summer uh, to get the right guy, then that's what we're going to do. And it's, you know, I know it's a boring answer and one that we've said many times in many different ways, but uh, you know, that's how we built this team. Uh, and we've been pretty good for the last two years. And 
You know, if you look back at my career, you know, my teams have been pretty good for the last 10 years. Uh, so, you know, this is one where we ask for a little bit of trust and a little bit of faith. And certainly when you're sitting with zero points and zero goals scored and three rent cards in three games, and then I, I totally understand and, and totally respect that folks get frustrated. And, and uh, you know, we hear those things. But some of our jobs as, uh, you know, in that GM role is to do what you think is best for the, for the franchise long term. And um, that's not always popular and it's not always the exciting thing. Uh, but hopefully it is the right thing in the long term. And if you get enough of those long-term decisions right, then, then uh, the franchise has sustained and continued its success as we have had here in Seattle uh, for the last nine years. Now, I'm glad you brought up the long-term perspective because how much of an emphasis do you put on the age when, when looking and scouting TAMs and DPs? Because you got guys you know, like Clint, Ozzie, Chad, big parts of this team for the last number of years who are getting up there in age. Yeah, I think each one of them is individual. You know, a lot of it's, you know, how, how you take care of yourself, you know, how you approach fitness and rehab and, uh, you know, how you eat and how you handle yourself off the field, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, in general, you know, you, we do have some guys that are older, but we also have some, some young players that are pretty good. Um, you know, I, I wish that age were a protection against injury in the sense that uh, then Jordan wouldn't have been uh, ruled out for the season. Uh, you know, it's just – you got to deal with it, and, and it's, you know, you have to always have a balance. You have to have some veteran guys that have played in some big games and can help you, and you have to have some players coming up through, and players, you know, the players we really try to look for and focus on are guys in the prime of their career, uh, which the data shows is 24 to 29 uh, at most positions, it's a little bit older at goalkeeper, center back, but, uh, you know, those are the things that we look at, and, we, again, we try to look at the, the thing holistically, we don't look at individuals. We look at the distribution of ages and experiences on our team uh, and then hope that that group collectively uh, is in a position to succeed. Given the, the high-profile players that you named and correctly identified as guys that were maybe closer to the end than the beginning, uh, I do think that in general we, we are looking at uh, guys that are in the prime of their career or guys that are younger uh, in terms of these signings. Um, but, you know, again, I think we have to be focused on who the best player is too, and and again, who the best player is, who, who the best fit is, uh, and take you know kind of everything into consideration. All right, Garth. Last thing for you here today on Sounders Weekly. Uh, there was a report earlier today that the Sounders have parted ways with Ford Shea Atakoya. Are you able to comment uh, at all on on what's going on with Shea? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, with Shea things uh, just didn't work out, and we thought it would be best uh, for us and for him. Uh, for him to pursue other opportunities. And so we, we parted ways with Shea and wish him all the best. He's an awesome kid, really smart kid. Um, you know, got some talent and, you know, just it wasn't working here. And rather than kind of continue to, uh, you know, kind of spin our wheels, we thought uh, best to give him the ability to go seek out other opportunities. And, and that's what we did. But, again, nothing good but good things to say about the kid. He's done everything we've asked. He's worked really hard. Uh, and you know he's he's a really high character kid, um, really good, really good family, really nice family, and uh, you know we're proud of all the kids that are in our, that come out of our academy and stick with it this long and stick with it through college and come out and join the Sounders. And so uh, you know want to make sure that uh, we're leaving things on a high note with Shea because he's earned that, and and uh, you know again he's he's got a bright future ahead of them, uh, ahead of himself, um, whether that's uh, in soccer or outside of it. Great stuff. Garth Loggerway, thank you so much again for joining me today on Sounders Weekly, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you. Good stuff there from the Sounders general manager and president, uh, Jackson Feltz, here back live with Pete Fewing, Seattle University 
head soccer coach. Uh, Pete, uh, the last thing we talked about there with Garth uh, was Shea Atakoya. Uh, I wanted to get your your thoughts. It surprised me a little bit to, to, to see them to see them part ways. Did it surprise you at all based on what we've seen over the last kind of year from, from Shea? No, I, I, Shea is a terrific athlete, incredibly fast. Uh, at this level, it's about performance, and he's a forward who's got to score goals, and, and that's not happened for him. Uh, Garth did say it right. He's a really bright kid, comes from a terrific family, so he will be successful in whatever venture that is. Uh, players sometimes take a while to mature, and and this is not a, a sport that allows a lot of time for that. You know, th- we saw that with Zach Mather. Zach had a terrific S2 career last year, 9, 10 goals, mm-hmm. I think, and they didn't view him as someone that was going to help in the first team, so they released him. That, that probably was better for Zach uh, as well because maybe he finds a we talked about it early on this show you find the right club at the right time that has the right need that you can fill so no I to be honest I wasn't too surprised about Shay um, he had a nice career at UCLA uh, but uh, they're right now they're trying to make roster space I imagine uh, if they can find someone there's urgency to bring in new impact players they didn't view it was him and so it's tough it's, it's pro sports it is not easy. I got a lot of guys on my team that think oh, I'm going to go play pro and and I want them to, right? But but it's not an easy or a given. You know, you have to be able to perform and and I think um on the technical side Athletically, yes, but on the technical side, he wasn't quite at the level they needed him to be at. Another big topic in that interview was was specifically when he's bringing in a, a TAM or a designated player, a, a targeted allocation money is why we use the word TAM. Right. It, it's a type of money they can use to go out and acquire players, so we'll use that term TAM a lot. But when he's looking at a TAM or a, or a designated player, a DP, um, one thing to focus on is the age because because an element you look at the key players on this team and and the key players that have been on this team for the last few years you're you're looking at Clint and Ozzy and Chad guys that are getting up there in age so that's why I asked him and I want to get your take too in the sense of is there is there an impending need for this team to get younger fast yeah i th- i think younger fast means recovering quicker from injury recovering quicker from travel uh, games being your body is younger hasn't put the miles uh Clint Dempsey has put a lot of miles on that body, he's been kicked an awful lot. Yeah. And when I say put a lot of miles, I'm not just talking about on the field, but you know, in the airplanes and flying all around the country. Right. This league is is massive. You know, I think uh, Ibrahimovic is going to find when he comes with L.A. and all of a sudden he's flying across country, and we are on the edge of the country, so we have more travel than most, right? So uh, I I just think yeah, a younger team. You're starting to see it around the league that some of the DP money is going to younger players. Um, so then they have to be, it's not that easy just to go and say, okay, we were counting on Jordan Morris. He goes down in the Champions League game. And mm-hmm. so now, hey, guess what? We got to go, we got to go find another kid right now. They're not in a freezer uh, right now hanging on a meat <laughs> hook that you say, okay, I need a number nine who can score. He's got to get us 18 goals, right? And we're right. going to, we're willing to spend this kind of money. It has to be a perfect fit for Seattle as well. And sometimes the age thing is, is a very, uh, important factor in that. Blaze Kufo, when he came to Seattle, he got one hat trick and then he was done, right? And he was a DP that everybody thought, you know, for uh, 20, he was, he was, they built, put a statue at that stadium. But when he came here, you know, it wasn't the perfect fit. And he had a wife in Vancouver and, and there was, you know, hey, did he just come here to get closer to the wife's family, right? And so it has to be a perfect fit. It's not an easy science. It's getting the right guy. Ladero, was perfect for yeah. Seattle. When right they when they needed him. 27 yeah. years old, you're right. He walks in the locker room. He turns off the music, says, we're not going to listen to music anymore. We're going to start talking to each other. And that flips a switch for the team as well. So 
you know, Chris Henderson, Garth Lagerway, Adrian Hanauer, they're out scouring right now. And they have, I, I did the MLS combine last year, uh, two years ago. Uh, so yeah, two, two seasons ago. Right. And I, and you know, you're at the hotel, uh, they, they busted into four different teams and I had one and, but I sat with Chris and one of the agents who represented Freddie Montero, a lot of terrific players, right? They have their connections and sitting with the agent and Chris, I could tell they were friends, right? And, and he represented a lot of talent. And so they have these connections, you know, and Chris is all around the world looking for players. So right. it's just not as easy as, hey, we need a guy who's going to score a bunch of goals. Let's go get him. We'll spend the money. They'll spend the money, but it's finding the right guy. Right. I think that kind of goes to the goes to the point that we started off this show with, which is which is don't panic. I mean, a move may not be made like a designated player or a big number nine move to bring in your new your new forward to replace Jordan, you know, and, and, and be a big part of this attack for the next number of years. That may not happen in this window. There's only like, I think, you know, 20 eight some odd days left in this window it may not happen but that doesn't mean that that, again garth mentioned looking long term just because it doesn't happen in this window doesn't mean they're giving up on the entire season it doesn't mean that 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 he isn't caring about about anything that happens this season in terms of mls cup and and supporter shield etc etc it it just means that he has the long term in mind of of okay well we got to focus on 2019 we can't bring in a 32 year old number 9 who may be good right now but may not be able to help this club in 3 years if we can bring in somebody over the summer who can help us go win a supporter shield or an MLS cup in 2019 and 2020 and you know who knows what after that you look at the long term and that, that that's why i think i think we need to kind of just breathe yep understand that Garth is not only playing for 2018, he's playing for the long term and be a little bit, he said the words exactly, ask me for some trust and faith in that interview. And I think just understanding his perspective and understanding the role of a general manager and what he's trying to do, I think is important for, for, for people who are, you know, wanting his head right now and saying, if you don't bring in a yeah, DP right nuts. now, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. just breathe people, relax, understand what he's trying to do here. Garth's Bar- been with two clubs. He has two MLS rings. So, yeah, there you uh, go. RSL and Seattle. And, you know, Ibrahimovic, there was talk of this two years ago to get him to Los Angeles, right? These things take some time. There's been players we can't name that Seattle has had on the hook. They've been, they've come to visit Seattle. They've come in, they've toured, and then it wasn't a right fit. So um, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. And uh, But there are players that come and visit that are world-known players. Mm-hmm. Um, and But if it's, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But they, yeah, they have a list of people that they're working on. It's whether it works for that player and whether that player works for Seattle. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So one segment left here tonight in Sounders Weekly. Jackson Fultz alongside Pete Fewing tonight. Uh, I was able to sit down earlier today with Jordan McCrary, new Sounders fullback. So here our conversation. We have a little bit of fun and uh, hear his awesome story that goes from uh, Toronto FC2 to Seattle. That's coming up next on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio 950 KJR. Take it. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle's Sports Radio 950, KJR. Last segment here of Sounders Weekly tonight on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950, KJR. Jackson Feltz alongside Seattle University head coach Pete Fewing. Uh, here my interview with Jordan McCrary, new Sounders football coming up here in a moment. Uh, Pete, we were just talking in the break, and then you mentioned in the last segment as well, uh, Ibrahimovic. Uh, he comes to MLS last week. First match for the LA Galaxy was in El Trafico, the, the new nickname they're calling the LAFC versus LA Galaxy rivalry down there. And, and what 
I don't even know if there's an appropriate word to describe what that was. 0-3 down, LA, LA Galaxy come back to win 4-3, and Ibrahimovic scores two goals. <laughs> he scores a bomb. I mean, it's just a fantastic goal. <laughs> you feel bad uh, for Tyler uh, in goal. Oh, there. yeah, Tyler Miller. Yeah, Tyler Miller, because uh, he was a Seattle guy for a while. Uh, that goes in in a lot of places around the world. Some people say he was way off his line. He did take a free kick at the edge of the box. But it was a phenomenal strike. He hit it. As he wanted to, he put a bit of a spin, uh, a bit of a knuckle on it or dip, and it swirled a little bit. Very, very difficult. But you, uh, Jackson, you could not have scripted that any better. They're up two nothing. It looks like the new kid in town, LAFC, with all the glitz and glamour, and yeah. uh, is going to take it too. Then there's an own goal uh, that that kind of just rolls in off the post. You look at Ziggy and you're like, oh boy, that's a, that LA is in a rebuilding process right now. And then they come back, they get two goals back. There's a little bit of hope. And then genius coaching, putting on, uh, Ibrahimovic, right? And oh, he, how he, is that, that ever going to be a, a you know, uh, should I put him on or should yeah, I not? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There was a great te- te- <laughs> temptation to text him and say, man, you're on fire. But yeah. Uh, so he goes in and the look on Ziggy's face after the goal, but it was exactly what the league needed yes. it's exactly what the LA Galaxy fans needed he smashes one and then on the next one Ashley Cole it was a great move because Emer Hebrich was offside so he ends up leaving the ball Ashley right. Cole gets it hits a perfect cross a great professional Cole to another great professional you get to that spot I'll play it to you and he's a big man right and he gets in there and he heads it in and again uh Tyler had no chance on that one as well but it could not have been any better scripted for a first game between those two clubs. Absolutely. Like you said, it's just great for the league because rivalries are what builds fans, and and certainly L.A. is going to want to buy into that rivalry. El Trafico is going to be fun to watch for years to come. Uh, All right, uh, Sounders have a new fullback on this team in 2018. His name is Jordan McCrary. Came over from Toronto FC2 last season. Uh, He was a trialist. He made his way onto the Sounders' first team. It's a really cool story. Uh, We talk about that story and much more. Here's my interview with Jordan McCrary. Uh, It was good. It was good. It's always uh, nice to get back on the field after a few days off. Uh, just get little touches and everything, get the body loose. And that's a big part of this is getting back right on the practice field, coming off of a loss. Players always want to just immediately get back on and compete as soon as possible after a loss, huh? Yeah, absolutely. You want to get off to a fresh start, fresh week, and uh, get past your last uh, game, especially if it's a loss. So, Jordan, let's get into your story a little bit. And I find out one of the most interesting stories of this early 2018 season for the Seattle Sounders. You were with Toronto FC2 last season. As we start the story, just kind of talk to us about how you came about being a member of the Seattle Sounders here in 2018. Um, So, pretty much, yeah. I was in uh, Toronto trying to battle it out, trying to get with their uh, first team, but mainly playing with the second team throughout the year. Um, It was tough because going to the uh, end of preseason or end of uh, last year's offseason, um, I left part of ways with Toronto and I was uh, had no team. So I was just training, training, trying to stay in shape at home, trying to stay focused and motivated. And um, speaking with my agent back and forth, he told me about how there was an opportunity out here in Seattle. I could fight for a position. So say no more. I would love to do that. Um, once I got talking with Seattle, got a call from Garth saying, Hey, we'd like to come on out here and train and, uh, battle for his spot. Flew out and, uh, got right after it in the preseason. Since then, it's just, uh, the dream <laughs> continues. So coming in here as a trialist at the start of the preseason with Seattle, what were your expectations coming in just having worked, worked, worked and getting just the chance? Did you have any expectations at all? Um, not really. Just the expectation was just that I was going to get the shot 
And that's all I really wanted at the end of the day was the chance. And then after that, I was going to put my best foot forward and do the best I could, and whatever happened, happened. And good thing that this did happen. <laughs> Sounders fullback Jordan McCrary, a new fullback, joining me here on Sounders Weekly. So you talked about how it's just the dream is continuing. So what's going through the mind of a player through the last few months where you're having an outstanding preseason, you're working your way onto the first-team roster as you now are? Do you have people in your ear telling you these things? I mean, Schmetzer told me in an interview a while back that you were one of the great stories of the early season. So what's been going on in your mind for these last couple months as you've worked your way up onto the first team and now you're here? Um, pretty much the same thing. Staying focused and motivated, taking everything day by day. Um, yeah, I am with the team and everything officially, but at the same time, we've got more goals. I want to push forward and actually be able to contribute as much as I can for the team and push us back into uh, the uh, playoffs and get back to the finals because that's the ultimate uh, goal right there is to get that trophy. Personally, what are your expectations for 2018 in terms of just what you're trying to do? Do you have numbers set or do you have goals that are already put down of this is what I want to do with Seattle in 2018? And how have they changed now that you're part of the first-team roster? Um, I would just say nothing changed. Like I said, I just want to keep pushing forward. There's no real set number of what I want to hit, whether it's assists, um, goals, or starts. It's just trying to be better the next day. How can I be better than the last one? And then hopefully that'll just take me to where I want to be at the end, which would be one of the top players. Now, Jordan, a lot of fans are probably still getting to know you. If you're to give yourself kind of a self-diagnosis, what are your top skills as a fullback right now? Um, I love to push forward. I've got the pace, speed, and everything, and ability to get forward and back and defend as well. Um, so I guess I would say my ability would be to help him with the attack. I know in defending, I'm good at one-on-one. So I can slow defend and slow forwards down and help uh, let the team recover if needed, as well as I can stop the plays out wide and try and push forward. Jordan McCrary, uh, Sounders fullback, joining me here on Sounders Weekly. Jordan, like I mentioned, uh, a lot of fans still getting to know you. So at this point, you're going to be my next guinea pig in my series called Get to Know a Sounder. These are some rapid-fire questions, so they're going to not be as associated with soccer, just so some people can get to know you personally, all right? Sounds good. All right, let's start off with this. In your short time in Seattle so far, what is the best restaurant you've been to? Oh, wow. I haven't really been out, but I went to Wild Fin Grill the other day. I think it was called Wild Fin. Yeah, I haven't even really been able to go out to eat like that much yet. Jordan, what is one food you would eat for the rest of your life? Oh, once I could eat sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes? Oh, yeah. Where does that love come from? I don't know. I think I just grew up uh, having sweet potatoes. I think my grandma made the best sweet potato pot. So I just stuck with that. Throw a little marshmallows on top. Got the casserole ready. <laughs> Nothing like a little sweet potato pie at Thanksgiving, right? With those marshmallows. I think you oh, nailed it yeah. right there. Oh, exactly. All right. Well, now we're hungry. So contrastively, what's the one food you would avoid for the rest of your life? Avoid? Oh, man. I don't know. I kind of like everything. But if I got to <laughs> avoid something, uh, let's see. It's got to be... Something like beets or something like that, like <laughs> prunes and all those kind of weird kind of vegetables. <laughs> all right. Next up here for you, Jordan, what's your favorite television show? Favorite television show? Oh, man, uh, I like to do classy. I like watching Family Guy. Jordan, if you weren't playing soccer professionally, what would you be doing? Oh, boy, that's a good question. I don't know. I'd probably be trying to have my hands and everything. I don't know. That's a very good question. I guess I'd probably... 
start off trying to coach, I want to stick around the game, that's for sure. When you first flew into Seattle for the first time, what was the initial thoughts going through your head when you looked down out of the airplane window and looked at the Northwest? It's true, there's no sun. <laughs> City of Grey. Oh, yeah, the first week was just gray with uh, little many little showers here and there. Yeah. The second I saw like a peak of sun, I was thinking, oh, here we go. We might get good. And then it goes right back to gray and rain. It's about two weeks to see the sun, I think, for 30 minutes. We'll take solace in the fact that there's no place more beautiful in the spring and summer than Seattle. So we're getting closer, Jordan. I know we're in April and the clouds are still out. But from about May through the start of September, it is the most beautiful place in the country. So don't worry. The sun will eventually come out, I promise you, as a native of Seattle. All right, I'm taking your word on this one, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jordan, the last thing here for you. I saw that you're from Georgia. So first off, really quickly, do you pay attention to golf at all being from Georgia where the Masters is this week? Yeah, I mean, I try to pay attention here and there. Everybody in the locker room always talks about it. So I got a few names, but um, yeah, if it's on TV, I'll, I'll keep it on and watch for a bit. All right, so give me a pick for this week at Augusta and the Masters. Who's going to win? Oh boy, here we go! I would love to see Tiger do something. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Spieth. Jordan Spieth. Yep. You really can't go wrong with Jordan Spieth. I think he's the top of the Vegas odds right now. So pretty good bet there. Uh, Jordan has yeah. to pick another Jordan. That that just makes sense in itself. Exactly. I gotta stick true. A Jordan McCurry, Sounders fullback. Appreciate you taking a few minutes out today, joining me. Thanks, and we'll have you on again soon. No, that sounds good. Thank you for having me. Great stuff there from Jordan. If you missed any of any of tonight's show here on Sounders Weekly. Uh, Pete Fewing, thanks for joining me here in studio tonight. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Jackson. This uh, hour goes quick, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, Garth Logaway, Sounders President, General Manager, and then Jordan McCurry there. If you missed any of it, check out the podcast on SportsRadioKJR.com. That'll do it tonight for Sounders Weekly. Thanks again to Pete Fewing. My name is Jackson Feltz. Listen to us next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. for the next Sounders Weekly. Until then, thanks for listening to your new home of the Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR.